Off trail, on trail, they're all one thing, aren't they? Hello, my name is Constantine, hiker, rambler, owner and founder of Eleven Skies. We created a podcast here to highlight and represent what it takes to make through hiking, long distance backpacking, adventures, outdoor life possible. Questions that focus on the how and the who, not necessarily the what. We all share this love for what we call the outdoors, but everybody's different. The diversity is what makes it wonderful. And just like the trails themselves, the diversity of how people make this life possible and how people continue to live the life that they truly love is what really has inspired us and makes us want to continue to learn about these people. So this is the Off Trail Podcast where, yeah, we might talk about trails from here and there. It's hard to make a hiker not ramble about trail systems, but mostly we're going to learn about the people. We're going to learn about what makes it possible and how they function and how they manage and how they strategize their time off trail, make on trail possible. Enough of our rambles. Let's just get into it, shall we? Welcome back to the Off Trail Podcast. My name is Constantine, and today I am joined by the one and only Pony. So, Pony, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on. I have to tell you that, like, considering the caliber of people you've had on the show, I'm like, I, I'm pretty honored to be asked because I'm like, I'm kind of not in that rarefied company, but it's nice to be here. Well, why, why I really wanted to have you on the show, honestly, is like when I read your articles and just hear how you write and think about the hiking world. It's kind of a kind of a direction that a whole lot of people don't think about and I don't know, I really enjoy how you pick apart and take apart like an idea and look into it. So I, I would say you're in a in the same class, Pony. I would say you're in the same class because <laughs> once you once you have that mentality, you see the world a little bit differently and see the trail a little bit differently. So I would definitely say you're in the same class. Well, but, thanks. And you know, I just I just got off uh, the New Mexico portion of the CDT and it went really well and everything. And this sounds dumb and self-serving, but I was talking to a friend of mine. I was taking a break on purpose and he was taking a break from the snow when we were driving up to Denver in a rental car. And I said something that I've never said before. And I realized, Oh, that's kind of true. And what it was is I guess after like 65, 6,600 miles of doing this in the past six, seven years, I sort of know what I'm doing and I never, I never like thought of that before, but it's like, cause I was saying, Oh, you know, things went really well. And he's like, yeah, well you've done this a lot now. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess I sort of know what I'm doing now. So that's good. Yeah. And I, and I also talked like, it's all about perspective because I've actually talked to this hiker named Starburst the other day and yeah. they were talking a whole lot about like the small, small percentage of people that do a triple crown or people that even run a marathon in our community. And it's just once you're in the hiking community for so long, you kind of get saturated with like triple crowner, triple crowner, triple crowner, AT through hiker, PCT through hiker. And you, you got to take a step back to realize like how special and how small of a group it still is. So yeah, once you get past 6,000 miles, 6,600 miles, like you've been hiking for a while. You've been hiking for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And it is true. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a small pond and, and for us, like somebody saying they're a triple crowner, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. But if you go outside and you look at the regular, you know, population, how many people, I, I do think of this, how many people like, if you said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to walk to my friend's house and it's five miles away, 
they'd be like, what? That's, that's crazy. You can't, what, what? So, so we do get kind of a skewed perspective because we're around it a lot, but I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I think it is a little skewed. And I want to unpack that a little farther into the show, but I'm going to circle back and start off the show kind of with a broad open-ended question that I like asking most guests and um, letting them define it and see where it goes. So Pony, the first question we have for you is a very broad question. Who are you? Who is Pony? All right. Well, here's what I really know about myself that's totally true. Pony is the alter ego of a guy named Clay Bonneman Evans Mm -hmm. that he didn't really know existed. But when he started doing long distance hiking, okay, he had done like hiking in Nepal when he was younger, but doing this long distance trail thing in North America in in, um, 2015, Pony emerged as a guy who is whose brain is fed by every aspect of true hiking. Literally, it just works for his brain. So, you know, that whole thing that we talk about where life is simple, quote unquote, you just have a few things you have to think about and then your body knows what to do. It's just going to move forward and see a new thing with every single step you're going forward, right? Mm -hmm. That absolutely suits my brain as Pony. Pony is also a guy who thought of himself as sort of a social loner. I mean, he can talk to people, he can get along and do stuff, but until he started through hiking and he realized that the community part and the relating to all different kinds of people that he meets is one of the great joys of through hiking. So Pony actually wasn't born until 2015. Hmm. Clay Bonnyman Evans was born in 1961 and he is a writer uh, he's been a writer most of his life, newspapers, books, freelancing, all this stuff. Always have loved the outdoors. Grew up in Colorado, fortunate to do that, and was always mountain climbing, doing bike touring and everything his whole life. And honestly, I can talk about myself in the first person too, but <laughs> we did ask in the third person. But you know, yeah. what surprises me is that I didn't start doing this until I was 53, because I did know about it. I read Walk in the Woods back in the probably late 90s when it came out. And then this guy who might be great for your show, do you know Paul Mignanti? I feel like I've heard the name. What's his trail name? Is it P-Mags? Um, yeah, it's P-Mags. Okay, so I've heard he, the name. I've yeah. never had, had the privilege of meeting him, though. He's awesome. And he was doing this stuff way before I was thinking about it. I was an outdoor editor uh, at the paper in Boulder, Colorado, my hometown, and Mags is his tree. Online, he's P Mags. Mags is his trail name. Mags just contacted me and he said in 2006, he's like, hey, I'm going to quote, fast pack the Continental Divide Trail. And what I'd like to do is write about it and take photos and you would publish it in the outdoor section. I'm like, right on. Hmm. So this was, this was pre iPhone. So he would go to the post office with a disc, you know, like a disc where he had, he had, he had burned the, whatever he'd written in photos yeah. and he'd send it to me. And then every two weeks in the daily camera, we published a piece about his journey and he did it in about three months. I mean, he buzzed wow. right through it cause he's fast. He was doing ultralight backpacking before. I don't, I didn't even know if that was a word yet, but he called it fast packing. So I knew about it in 2006 and I was intrigued. I had friends who'd done similar type thing and, um, Honestly, in 2015 or 2014, a young woman who had grown up next to me where I was living in Colorado, 
she was like 27 and she she just quit her nursing job in denver and took her dog on the colorado trail and when they came back i was so intrigued i mean she was like a golden goddess and the dog looked great <laughs> i looked at all their pictures and i was like man this looks great so that was really the start of it and then i know this is going to bum some people out but that December, Jody, my wife, my lovely wife, and I went to see the movie Wild. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not kidding you. Like five minutes in, this light bulb goes poof off in my head. And I came out of the theater. It was in Hilton Head. Yeah. And I, I came out of the theater and I said, hey. And Jody's like, I know, I know you're going to go do that, aren't you? I said, no, no, no. I'm just going to do the 500-mile Colorado Trail. So it really started there. I loved it. I mean, I had horrible chafe and... I was an idiot and I had a big pack and I didn't know what I was doing, but I loved it from the moment I started in 2015. And then as you know, we relocated down to Hilton head. And the first thing I thought of to Jody chagrin is, Oh wow. The AT is in my backyard. So I took off 2016 to the AT and I've really never stopped. Really never stopped. They did the bunch of other trails. They've done the foothills trail, um, Pinoti trail, uh, I hiked the, what's called the Great Plains Trail. It's really more of an idea, but it's a really cool route. I hiked about 350 miles in South Dakota, Nebraska. Yep. Yes, people, there is awesome hiking in Nebraska. And then um, last year I did the PCT and uh, started chipping away at the um, at the CDT this year. Like I say, got across New Mexico. Have already done most of Colorado, but I want to redo it. <laughs> For the first thing, I, yeah. re- I really enjoyed that you touched on that you watched the movie Wild and that it's kind of uh, kind of a stigma in the hiking community. But even on my perception is it's a really inspirational movie for the general public. Like it might not exactly quantify what a through hike is, but I have trouble with that personally as well as trying to share the knowledge and reach a wider audience. Because like some of the stuff on a through hike, if you haven't done it before, it's very hard to comprehend. So like, trying to share the love and the passion with it, even if it's in a format such as Wild, it still was able to reach a wider audience. So I know it's a <laughs> I know it's a back and forth in the hiking community, but I like that you touched on that. Um because it does inspire people. And that's that's a good thing. I mean at the base of it it's a good thing that it does inspire people. Yeah, and, and here's look, I've I've made my living as a writer. I've published a bunch of books and I, I love writing as much as I like love hiking. Here's what I tell people. Sometimes hikers get mad at Cheryl Strait and they get mad at Bill Bryson because they only did part of the trails they did and then they wrote about it and they got famous. Yeah. Listen, they wrote really artful books. Yeah. Those those books are to most hiking books, including mine, like the Mona Lisa is to, you know, graffiti on a bathroom wall. They're well done, <laughs> funny in Bryson's case, very informative. Cheryl Strait's doing she's not writing a hiking book. No. She's writing a book about a life trans and trying to come to grips with loss and grief and she's doing it through hiking well how many of us are doing something similar but we don't have the talent to like translate it to a thing that's going to make not just hikers but people all over love it so i always tell people go easy on it folks they (laughs) were not through hikers they're not trying to be through hikers yes bill bryson lied when he said he hiked the appalachian trail Billy Ike, 40%, and that's what you should say. But they're great books. They're great books, and honestly, the two best-written 
books about long trails that I know of. Yeah, it wasn't them coming out saying, hey, I'm connecting every footstep from Mexico to Canada or Georgia to Maine. Exactly. It's them saying, yeah. hey, I'm using this trail as a conduit for a personal story that I want to share. It's like yeah. anybody that goes out there to experience it in their own way. So I, I agree. Yeah. Per- personally, I agree. I mean, I know there's a lot, a lot of heat on those two books, but it's sharing a story. And it's sharing a story that, yeah. like I said, I personally even struggle with trying to talk to my friends and family and share like the intricacies of through hiking that I don't want to use the term layman, but that, but that people outside of that have done it through hike can understand. So it's, it's hard to share that type of stuff in a format that your friends and family can understand. So good on them. So I totally agree. My, my, my friend, Steve Adams is mighty blue. He's got a great podcast, mighty blue on the Appalachian trail. And Steve always says, and this is a funny line kind of true. He's like, yeah, you know, you come off the trail. You're so excited. And your family and friends are willing to listen to it for about three weeks, and then they yep. just go blank. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, we got it, whatever. We're part of this little. But I, I appreciate what you do, really, with this show and, and 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 Mighty Blue and other shows. It's like it is a thing, and and I write books about it. And here's what I know: regular people do want to hear about this. Regular people who probably will never do a through hike buy my books, and I get emails from them, and they're like, hey. You know, thanks for taking me on the journey. And you're, you're doing that too, so it's great. I would be curious because this would be interesting to hear from your perspective as a thru-hiker and writer. Because again, personally talking about when you get off trail and you want to share these experiences with friends and family, there's a time limit that they want to hear, it, hear about <laughs> it. Have you ever become jaded? Because like at some points I wanted to express this love and share it with others so much, but then I keep hitting a wall about that time frame and I start to withdraw and just be like okay well they don't want to hear about all this so I'll try to keep it all inside what what has your experience been about that what, being a writer and a through hiker yeah you know I mean Jody my wife she just this isn't her thing but she lo- she loves that I love it and I think that's important so I will say and somebody like your mom uh listeners I actually know Constantine's mom very well she's yeah. good friends with my wife and they <laughs> hang out and they they, they complain about us being gone all the time on trails and stuff like that when they walk on the beach. So, yeah. Just do some dance hula hooping. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Sundance. Hi, Jody. But, yeah, it's easy to get jaded. And, and I'm a word person, so I'm all about, like, conveying to people, whether speaking or writing, like, what this is. And I got to tell you, I, I think I share a little bit of I – I wouldn't call it jaded on my part. I got a little – just sad mm-hmm. that I don't seem to have the ability to convey to people what that love is. And and, yeah. and here's what it feels like to me. And this sounds like I'm hippy dippy and I, I guess I am, but it's like, there's an open heartedness out there um, that just blows my mind. And I honest to God, I know it's naive, but every time I'm through hiking, long distance hiking, I find myself wishing that the world at large had that attitude because we're all we're all doing a hard thing we're pulling in the same direction the differences wash away you'll see like literally i know examples where i hiked with my 19 year old second cousin when i was 54 i saw couples that were in their 30s and their best friend on trail was an 18 year old girl i mean it's just it is about this human connection and this you know, people want to be helpful and, you know, somebody might have a liter of water in the desert and they're going to come across somebody with nothing and they're going to give them half a liter. So there's a generosity 
there's an open heartedness that I know it's naive, but I, I, I do get jaded because I come back and I realize I call it snow globe world. Mm-hmm. We're in a world where we have this privilege of being able to relate in a very real giving open hearted way. And you come back to the real world and all the demands and the, you know, the phone and the, you know, everything's coming at you. You got to work, you know, all this stuff. And it, 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 you lose it pretty often. In fact, it's hard sometimes to like keep up those trail relationships in a, for me in a deep way that I want. And, and I do, I, I, not a lot. Like it's usually maybe two, three people from a trail. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it is sad. And what we wish, I think I'll speak for myself, but I bet you do too, is and we just wish people, you know, going to the grind and going to the office and worried about their kids at school and stuff, which is totally normal. I just wish they could experience the feeling of sort of release and open heartedness that just for a week and then at least they would know what it is. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it's a real thing. It is. Yeah, I, I struggle with the same thing, trying to convey it. Um, and I, I guess that, that word you use is, is pretty apt, the sadness of it, because you want to share it and you want to convey it but I don't have the words for it. Like I can't structure a story or I can't structure something that resonates so soundly and so fully with everybody else on the other yeah. side of the through hiking fence. So on the flip side of that coin, I'd be curious again to hear your perspective on this because it's also something I personally struggle with too. And you being a writer, I, I think you might have run into this a few times. So We've talked about kind of trying to convey through hiking to people, friends and family back home. But when you're on trail and you're using trail as this conduit for writing, for your books and all of this, how do you balance the authenticity of the moment with the work part of it? That for me is a constant struggle as well. So I'd, yeah, I'd be curious to hear your take on that. Yeah. So, so very quick background. Like I, like I say, I've been a writer, literally paid to be a writer for more than 30 years. And so that's been my thing. And I published books. My first book was 1999. So we're going back. And, yeah. you know, I always publish with traditional publishers, you know, do the contract and this and that. And then you get royalties and it's all very arcane. And I don't know, but I, I have to write about my travel adventures even before I start hiking. So I always take notes. I have to write about it because writing is so much part of who I am, but also if I don't really write about it, you know, based on the skeleton of the notes that I scribble while lying in the dirt, you know, somewhere in the mountains of New Mexico, Mm -hmm. I'll forget it. So I, I wrote up my CT hike. I wrote up, I've written up every hike I've ever done, even the short ones. And I did that on the AT and I wrote it as a series of blog posts after the fact. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I think about this documenting, you know, along the way, it's fine, but it's not for me. And I, I, I post it on my website and that was to stave off post trail depression, but self-publishing used to be a joke. I was a book review editor and it was like, if something self-published, it sucked. Well, now it's very different and, and the systems are in place for it, you know, to do a good job. So, you know, in 2020, I think it was, I have friends who started self-publishing. They used to be big bestsellers. I'm like, I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. Well, what should I do? Oh, I have this AT thing already ready to go. So I just buffed it up and, you know, I edited it. So it wasn't blog posts. It was a book and I published it thinking I was just spending money to just see what the process was like. Yeah. So first of all, I discovered that there's a real hunger out there for these stories because people are buying the book, but I wanted that background so that, you know, I have always 
taken notes on every adventure, every travel I've ever done, whether hiking or not. And then I always write it up later in a more narrative fashion because for me, it brings it to life. So for me, what was interesting on the PCT last year, and this was interesting, was for the first time I was taking those notes, but for the first time I was cognizant, I am writing a book about this. Because hmm. I never I never did it on the AT or anything else. And, and then I self-published and found that it worked. That was interesting because sometimes I was like doing something or, you know, talking to somebody and, and my brain would suddenly sort of remind me like, oh, you're, it's almost like you're on stage here. Mm-hmm. Like, how is this scene going to play out when you write it later? And that, that could have changed the character of the hype for the worst. But I actually think, <laughs> weirdly, it changed it for the better. Not that it needed to be better, but I don't know. My attitude on the PCT day in day out with a few tiny exceptions was just like i just i could not have been happier to be there like sometimes at the end of the day you know my feet hurt or whatever i can be cranky and i'm never cranky in the morning i'm happy every single morning (laughs) on trail but on that trail i think the awareness that i was this sounds weird but i was in a story i was in a quote-unquote movie a book about this that didn't exist yet it actually i think it almost even made it more vivid and more fun and more delightful for me i know I, it's hard to explain but and yeah. so it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like work for me i scribble notes at the end of every day and believe me there are days when i'm like oh god and then <laughs> days days when you go to town that's when it's really hard to take notes because you're hanging out with friends and stuff yeah. but um for me my this sounds weird and self-centered maybe it is but for me writing about my life is inextricably entwined with my life. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it sort of fits together for me. And I guess that, and you're, sorry, you're a good writer, by the way, you're a good writer, even on your Instagram posts. I I appreciate the fact that you take care to actually spell things correctly and and punctuate. So (laughs) you do a good job. That that was very ironic for people that are listening because I do not spell correctly or punctuate correctly at all. (laughs) I think you do. You you write okay, so let's put it this way. You write in complete sentences uh-huh. and there's a flow to it and there's a, a texture in it and a and a body to what you write, even on an Instagram post. Whereas, you know, internet writing sucks and it's usually <laughs> you know, it's just not you, you do a good job with it. You really do. Well, thank you. Have you did you ever read the N C T post? I think we would be having a different conversation if you saw those ones. It was I got I, I read some of them and I do know what you're talking <laughs> about, but look what you guys were doing every day, you yeah. know. So yeah, yeah. And, I, and I guess that answers the question because I guess, yeah, I, I was asking that as well as, I guess, I guess what I was asking is, I guess writing is a different conduit to share the story than filming on trail. And I know filming on trail, oh, yeah. filming on trail is a big uh, kind of hornet's nest that I don't know if we want to fully touch in here or not, but like, I guess it doesn't take you out of the moment as much because you can write just at the end of the day. And it sounds like that's how you schedule your time yeah. or your days to make sure that you're not sitting out of view and getting torn away by that view, but instead yep. compartmentalizing it and saying, I'm going to write this at the end of the day. Yes. I have, I've actually heard you on other episodes um, <laughs> talking about filmers. Yeah. W- would you ever have any draw to film? Because now you document these trails as a writer. Is there any draw for you to film these trails and document it that way? So I love it. I love what people do. And, and, and I do talk too much. So just stop any time. But <laughs> I love what I love what these people do. I actually hiked with um, I, I saw somebody every single day for the first every day, but the last days in New Mexico, because she was on my shuttle. 
Um, and we just saw each other pretty much every day. She's a really strong hiker and she's a YouTuber with a following named Little Skittle. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I like her stuff. I, I watched her PCT stuff. I don't, I don't object in any way that somebody does this. And I think Little Skittle is an example of somebody who does a really good job. She is just trying to convey what the experience is like. And I'm, I'm a fan of that stuff. Yeah. I don't think I would ever do it because a, I'm too damn lazy to do the editing and making <laughs> sure it gets uploaded and all that stuff. So for me, I'm old fashioned and I love words and the writing worked because I get my impressions and I make sure that I write it up pretty quick. And, and, and that just works for me. I don't object what I worry about. And you know what? It's not my choice. It's theirs, but I do worry about, I think it would feel, it would bum me out to have that obligation. Yeah. And I would worry that my attention was divided. With me as a writer, I just get to have my day, whatever happens. And then I'm going to take 20 minutes at night and scribble before I go to bed. That's all it is, you know, mm-hmm. and I come back to it later. Yeah, I was, I was just curious to hear what you had to say on that. Again, um, yeah, that's a big hornet's nest. That <laughs> I don't know if I want to yeah. get you get into on this. Well, so, One of the reasons people call it a hornet's nest, and it's fine. I, I, I really believe in hype your own hype, but yeah. people worry that, oh, God, you know, it, it it gets too many people on the trail, and they will agree with it. Little Skittle's honest. Little Skittle will tell you when she's having a crappy day. Mm-hmm. But if it's people doing just beautiful Instagram posts or just beautiful footage and pretending that it's all easy, yeah. that is a problem. Yeah. You're going to get people out there, and I've seen them, and they just, they're like, what? I thought this was like paradise. And I'm like, no, you smell bad and your feet hurt. And, <laughs> you know, you, you, your your pack is rubbing, right? So yeah. I think I think if people are true and honest about it, that's great. I think if they're painting a, an overly beautiful portrait, I do have an issue with that. Yeah, that's, that's what draws me to as well, the authenticity. And drawing parallels to what we were just talking about, the books of like, wild and bill bryson's a walk in the woods it doesn't directly correlate because like even though they were writing a story about using the trail as a conduit for their experience like as a video format if you do that same type of editing or same type of type of storytelling without showing the authenticity it's a different feeling um at least in my perception like you get a different read off of it because i think a lot of people are visual learners and when they see something like that it completely changed their thought of what it's going to be. Somebody can read a book and be like, okay, this is a story. I know a lot of this is not going to be true, but when watching a film and seeing like rainbow and sunshines are like, Oh, this is just the trail always. So yeah, I'm drawn towards the authenticity as well. Sorry, I'm near, I'm near a firehouse. Sorry about the siren. Oh, no problem. I had to edit out coffee beans from like an hour and a half show the other day. That that was, (laughs) that was terrible. A coffee grinder. No worries. One very, very, one very quick line. Uh, we should not trust video. Yeah. Video is subjective and selective. Yeah. So it's great, but we should always remember that what's being shown is what's being chosen to be shown. That's all. And what's also being shown in the moment. Because like, even if you're looking yep. at, if for take an example, a desert hike, if somebody points out a water source, don't rely yep. on that because it's the that's desert. Right. <laughs> like That's the desert. That's, right. that's the water source yeah. they got because there was rain three days ago or something like that. So yeah, yeah don't take it as yeah gospel. Um, yeah, my friend, oh. I, I, sorry, I keep it right. My friend Denver, who I met on the CDT, he's like, you know, who, who, people point a camera at you, you smile, but you might feel terrible that day. Yeah. And so just don't believe it. Just know that 
these things don't accurately represent reality. That's all. Yeah. You know? I agree. Pony, I want to circle back to something we said like at the very, very beginning of the show because it's been sticking with me and I want to hear your perspective on this. You said through hiking works for your brain. Can you yeah. like, can you expand upon that thought a little bit? Because like what does that mean? Because from my perception, again, like I feel like I know what you mean because when you're off trail for a while, you're kind of just like antsy, ready to get back on trail. What, what does it mean that it works for your brain? Yeah, so – just full disclosure, I, I have an ADHD diagnosis. So, you know, I, people can look up what that means. It doesn't mean that you're like speeded up so much as it means, well, it's just, you know, whatever. So I have that. And here's the thing. It's almost like a contradiction, but true hiking does two things. It simplifies what you really, really do have to think about, right? It got, I got to find water. I got to eat. I got to find a camp spot. I got to, I got to dig a cat hole and I have to walk. That's what you do every day, right? I mean, you know, you're looking at a map, but that's basically what you're doing. And then sort of the flip side of that is if you're doing a through hike and even a flip-flop, but what you're doing is every single step you take literally takes you into a new reality. So my brain is eager for newness. Mm -hmm. It's not super psyched about routine some people are better at routine than others. And, and again, there's no judgment here. This is science. We all have different brains. And for my brain, it just feeds me to just know that around the next corner, everything that my consciousness is, is aware of, whatever I'm hearing, whatever I'm seeing, whatever I'm feeling, is going to change. So my brain loves to be fed that way. And I have to add in the body because our body and brain are the same. My brain mm -hmm. is part of my body, but I love using my physical body and I've always been pretty lower body oriented when it comes to exercise. I'm a runner, I'm a biker, you know, and those, I don't know. I've never been measured, but I just think I've got like a slow IV drip of whatever it is, endorphins, <laughs> whatever it is that I need. Uh -huh. And it makes me feel good about life. I mean, you know, terrible things could be happening in the world and this and that. And, but it makes me feel good and it makes my brain feel good. It, it makes me open hearted. It makes me generous. It makes me helpful. I really think my brain is at its best when I'm on trail. That's awesome. So I guess going even a little farther back then. So you said you didn't find this, I guess, through hiking. You were hiking before then, but you didn't find this through hiking culture and this like through hiking kind of pull until the age of 53 what how did you manage the brain before then because it sounds like you found something that so fully works for your brain but then you had 53 yeah. years before that so how how did you manage your brain and make sure it felt good before getting into through hiking yeah so and again uh just so people know you know everything's got shades of gray and we can talk about this or not but part of what i did was i'm an addict i'm an addict and i was trying through various means for many years to try to make my brain happier because I was living the same stressful life as anybody else working too hard and worrying about a family and worrying about the house payments and this and that. And, you know, and I, that was part of my honest, you know, experience of trying to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, I say shades of gray because I was in recovery for a long time. And then I just sort of walked away from it, not for any reason. I always loved it. 
And I do want to mention this because this is part of what I will be writing about eventually. Yeah. The CDT is the first through hike I've done, long hike I've done, totally clean. I no alcohol, no anything. Wow. Uh, because I took I took those years away from recovery, and you know what? I was a little worried about it. It was even better. I make no judgment to anybody else, but I, I this is how I want to be and how I need to be, and I loved it. Yeah, when I got to town and. Some people were having a beer or a margarita or something. I, I thought about it, but so that was part of my management. And part of my management, honestly, is just being a complete stress case, like most <laughs> of us who work too hard, right? Uh-huh. And and I've always been a runner. I'm a daily runner, so that helps. I've always been an outdoor person. The more time I can spend under the sky, the better. So I'm a mountain climber. You know, I think... I think our brains are trying to balance themselves, whatever kind of brain we have. And some of the ways that our brains find to do that are not as helpful. And some of them are, and I was a mix of those things. And then, like I say, I wasn't like totally crazy, but I was definitely a drinker and I would accept the occasional, you know, hit if somebody's smoking on trail or whatever. And that's fine. But I just discovered, I decided to go back into recovery this last year and after the PCT and, I really like, I really like, really like hiking clean. I just was so happy about it. It was good. Do you mind if we unpack that a little bit too? Because that's sure. in my experience yeah. as well. I've done trails where I'll go into a town and have a beer with a few folks. And then I've also done uh, complete hikes where I won't even have one beer because there's just no draw to it. What, right. What's the, I guess it's a two-part question. So what's the consensus of the trail community around you when you're going into town and everybody's having a beer and you're the one that's having a soda at the table. Like, what's the kind of consensus and feeling around the trail town? And then also, you touch on your body feels better. Like, I noticed that as well is because, well, your body's not trying to process alcohol when you're going after miles. So, yeah, I guess it's a two-part question. Like, what does the trail community think of when you're going in there and being the one that's having a water or soda at an outing? And how does, yeah, how does your body feel? Yeah. So the first part is, the, the basic answer is, Nobody batted an eye, and I think that's pretty awesome. And it's 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 very much in line with hike your own hike. Yeah. I have I have no judgment about what somebody does at all, and I didn't run into any judgment. I did I did answer a few questions from hikers because they're like, oh, you don't drink, and then for me it's important to just be very upfront and honest and say, yeah, you know, uh, I was in recovery, and then this is the first hike I've done totally clean and it's just a choice i made everybody's totally cool with it and um number two in the body thing this is one of the things when you know i'm using i I use the words recovery and using and stuff but you know i'm talking about alcohol drugs whatever i didn't really know but i didn't drink super heavily i did more on the pct than other trails and i think what i've discovered is that my body is a lot better off if it's just not trying to work to process that stuff. Again, I don't care what anybody does, but I can't believe, I just was so strong on the CDT. This is again, folks, just New Mexico so far, but I just rolled it up. And, you know, even weirdly, like, even like I do a 32 mile day and maybe short myself on water and everything. And that's just like my recovery time is faster. My I get fewer cramps. My feet don't hurt as much. I don't know if that's why, but I do know that my body just was great for those, you know, 800 miles across New Mexico. 
And maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's part of it. And, you know, it, just wait, too, right? I mean, and expense, right? I'm yeah. not buying booze when I'm in town, so... Yeah, I see. I see a direct transition as well. Um, I remember, funny enough, you said CDT. I remember I was down in Lordsburg and we were about to start the CDT and sharing a motel room with a couple guys, and they all wanted to get a six pack for the start. And again, no judgment here. People enjoy beer on trail and stuff like that. And everybody was drinking a few Tall Boys, and I'm like, dude, we're going into the desert. You're gonna really struggle if you got a hangover yeah. or if you got your body's trying to process alcohol when it needs water. And the next day, um, we all started at the terminus, and you could see it, it, it hit it hit them a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And especially those miles. I don't know what time. What when did you start from the southern terminus? I started April fifteenth. Okay, so same time. I started the nineteenth. Okay. And you know, I it seemed like almost everybody those first eighty-five miles to Lordsburg, Woo. they sort of smack your ass. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. like, whoa. And I don't, you know, I don't know if it's just because it's super hot or it's just like, you know, kind of unvaried terrain, but every person I know, strong hikers, yeah. maybe not Little Skittle, Little Skittle kind of is just super strong. She kind of blew it along, but like really strong hikers, including me, that first day I did 20 miles and it just, I felt wiped out. Yeah. So, and my feet, oh my God, they <laughs> swelled up. And so those are tough miles. And I'll tell you what, I would not have wanted to start it in anything other than the very best position I could, because I can't explain it, but almost everybody I talked to said those first miles to Lordsburg were, they kick your ass and they're not hard. You're not climbing, but there's just something about that heat and the flat and the, I don't know, man, they're pretty tough. Yeah. And and like you said, no judgment to anybody that has a beer in town or anything like that. It's just, it's just, I, I was curious to hear how your body worked when you consciously chose to just keep on plugging through the miles. So, also, I'm curious. It felt better. It, it felt, felt better. better. It did. Yeah. I'm curious. Did you take the bushwhack after the first 20 miles? I remember really well. Like right after no. the first water cache, there was like a hellacious yep. bushwhack. Yep. No. You know, uh, my shuttle driver. So I got a CBTC shuttle down there. Super nice guy named Cal. He, wore, he every mile along the way in the drives, you stop and he's showing. Here's the water cache where it's over that way, or here's this cow tank i mean he just kind of set us up it was almost like kin- it was like like kindergarten orientation on the shuttle <laughs> and he said you probably don't want to do the red line as people are now calling it the gut hook red line yeah right here because it's thorny and he pointed out the three things you're going to run into so big old choyas and and this acacias with two inch thorns and whatever and i got to that water cash i'm like you know what i'm just doing the roadblock and those who did do, I think Little Skittle did the red, the red line and other people, people said, yeah, it kind of sucked. I mean, yeah. it was just like, it was overgrown and it was overgrown with stuff that wanted to rip your skin off, you know? Yeah, and I, I guess that's something that I think we were talking about before we hopped into the show is about the different feelings of these trails, like the AT, PCT, and CDT, and the fact that, I don't know, I've seen a change in at least the not full group consensus of the hiking community, but like it definitely feels like there's starting to be a change about the quote unquote red line. Like people, yeah. people are connecting their footsteps, but they're starting to realize like, if I go into this place, it's going to really suck. Or I could take an alternate around here that yep. might be more yep. beautiful. I'm going to enjoy it more. It seems like people are starting to go now for enjoyment in a hike because you're going to suffer a lot in a through hike regardless. So they're trying to, yeah, get those moments of enjoyment as much as they can. What, what has been your kind of 
perception of that group thought, I guess, in the hiking community. Have you seen that more throughout these years? Yeah, I mean, I, I can speak to it very specifically about the CDT experience I just had. So uh, I'm going to say this, and, and, and it's a little hard to explain. We can get into it if you want. But it's like, I think part of what happens on the CDT, oh, look, I'm from Colorado. I've actually done half the CDT or more because I've been on the trail. I through hiked part of it. I backpacked on it. I, I, I you know, so I kind of understand, but I think a lot of people come to it they want to overlay a template of the AT or the PCT on the CDT. And yeah. that's fine. It's got its similarities, but it really isn't appropriate, I think. And here's kind of what I found. And I'll give you a specific example of my case, but a lot of people want to overlay that experience and they want to think this is a noble hike and I can just go point to point. But it's not because you hit Colorado. It's not the Sierras. The mm-hmm. Sierras can get snow in May and June. And it can be a big snow year. But Colorado just sits up on a high plateau. This trail is like above 10, 11, 12, 13, literally 14,000 feet most of the way. Yeah. And I know Colorado and what it, May is not spring there. And so here's, you know, people were learning. I was talking to them as a Colorado boy. I don't care what they do. And then I would get a text because they would do the first kind of section in Colorado and they'd be like, oh my God. And I was like, yeah, it's not <laughs> spring there yet. It's still hardcore winter. Yeah. But here's a here's a good specific example. I like to say you don't get a merit badge for suffering. Hmm. And I, the more hiking I've done, the less rigid I've become. You cannot, in my what well, you can't be a purist on the CDT. And I would argue, unless you do it when there's no snow, you can't be on the PCT either. I'm not a purist, but in the last probably 10 miles, seven, eight miles to the border of New Mexico and Colorado and the CDT, everybody was talking about it. There was a trail maintainer. He's like, oh my God, it's terrible. It's tons of blowdowns. You're in the trees. It's snow. It's soft snow. It's muddy. It's mucky. It's boggy. So I started looking and we were, you know, people I met were talking and I camped that last night before I got to Cumbria's Pass at a place where I had an option, depending on what I felt in the morning. I woke up in the morning and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do that. I I know what it's like to hike through the woods. And why should I put myself through that? I've already done some of that. It's not that much fun. So I took an alternate that I made. People had written about it. I got it, but it was like the most gorgeous forest service dirt road, not one car, takes me up top. I saw the sunrise. Then I'm down through two gorgeous emerald green valleys, the Apache Creek and Arkansas Creek, there's herds of elk, absolutely beautiful, no problem, little snow, a little bit of, you know, mud. And then I walked a mile on the railroad and a mile on the highway, and I'm at the pass. I get there, and there's a guy I was hiking with earlier, fast kid, skips all the roadwalks, and then busts up like 35, 40 days. So he was ahead of me, and he's at the pass at the same time. I was like, how was it? And he's like, oh, my God, it sucks. <laughs> and 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 here's the thing. I left a note on gut hook, and my friends behind me, I said, hey, if you do not want to do the blowdown, snowdown, hoedown, do what I did. <laughs> it's gorgeous. And you know what? There's some weird, I don't know, like some puritanical compulsion or impulse people have like, no, I must do the red line and I'm going to, and everybody hated it. Yeah. Like they were going one mile an hour and they came out and they said, it sucked. Meanwhile, my friend Denver, I left him a note and, and, and texted him and he took my alternate and he was like, Oh my God, thank you, dude. Yeah. Cause this was gorgeous. And I got to the pass. I didn't skip. I got there and I loved it. And so did I. So I am very much 
I just think the red line mentality is you're it, that's fine if somebody wants to do it, but I think you're restricting yourself. I think be creative. And I think the CDT does mentally give people more permission to be creative. And I, I did where I wanted to, you know, yeah. like it worked for me. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that too. And like, I mean, I, I was guilty of the same thing coming off of the ATM PCT. There's that specific app that comes from the red line and that has yeah. the name, the red line that, you're so consumed by it that you really don't like, again, this is my own perception and other people may have felt this way as too, too, but like you really don't realize what's around you. Um, you're purely yeah. and singularly focused on this little line and it takes experience, I guess, to break that uh, mentality because you can tell people as much as you want, but until they experience it for themselves, like a day that everything's snow packed. So you're like, well, how am I going to stay on this little single track red line when there's no trail anywhere? Like, what matters right. if I'm right. ten? What matters if I'm ten feet on the snow hill to the right or the ten feet to right. the snow hill to the left? Like, what's yeah. what's the difference here? So I guess I mean it's like I've struggled with that too, trying to express to people that have come off the AT or PCT. Like, yeah, the CDT is a different beast, and that you're going to have to be okay with alternates and you're going to have to like look at your maps and see what's around you because sometimes that singular line is going to take you into some trouble or going to take you into something that's really going to suck. So be flexible. Yeah. yeah. It, and, and the flip side of that, and, and I have, I've grown since I started this too. Yeah. I mean, let's face it on the AT, you can be a purist. Yeah. You really can't once you're off the AT. So people who start with AT have this template, but the flip side of all this is, there might be something really cool, an experience, a place, a thing, a, a, a gathering that if you are too rigid about like, no, I am following this line that, that my kindergarten teacher told me I should follow, you might miss some really cool stuff. And I have friends who are super, I mean, stronger hikers than me, and they get that miles compulsion going. But I have a friend that I met on the CDT, really cool guy named Trainwreck, and he said, you know, here's the thing, like when you're done, are you going to remember the day where you racked 40 and you were all proud that day? Or are you going to remember the day where you decided like, Hey, we've only come 15 miles, but here's this hot springs. Let's stay and have fun. Yeah. And I really like the way he looks at it. And that's a red line thing too. It's just like be open and flexible, which I feel like is a skill you learn when you're hiking anyway. But I think the red line phenomenon i've never even heard it called the red line until this year hmm. like i that's a new thing yeah. but like on the pct i came up coming out of sonora path go up that hill and then you're looking down into just a snowball there's nothing <laughs> but snow and trees. Yeah. there's not a sign there's nothing and i i realized right standing there I was like okay so if i were a quote-unquote purist what i would do is waste the rest of my day looking at that hook and trying to follow an imaginary line down through the snow yeah. well no I'm going to glissade and I'm going to run and I'm going to skeech down through that snow because why should I be imprisoned by somebody else's? It's not hurting the, the trail. It was just snow, yeah. you know? So I, I think people, I, I do worry about becoming, I think part of it's fear too. Like, especially if you're worried about water and like, Oh God, if we go up this Canyon, is there going to be water? I get that, yeah. but don't be addicted to the red line. <laughs> and yeah. no, no pun intended it's like a, also a slippery slope because for a lot of those quote-unquote purists that are trying to do the pct on a high snow year nine out of ten yeah. of people that consider themselves purists are still going to glissade the back down the back side of a mountain so 
That's, what, that's why you can't that that's why i say it's impossible like if yeah. you do go through after all the snow's melted sure you can walk every step and yay good for you i don't know why that's a big point of pride but i basically think unless you're and i'm going to say that unless you're stupidly stubborn <laughs> don't it's Most stupid hikers. To even yeah just don't the idea that you can be a purist on the PCT is ludicrous and why would you yeah you know? and i think that's what it is i think the purist mentality is good in a sense for specific trails like i agree it, for some trails it's just not feasible like the more the right. more you see these trails it's just like i will either die going down this backside of the mountain or i can pick yeah. this route along this ridge line and pop down through this valley a safe way so like some trails exactly. connect all the footsteps like the at the natchez yeah. trail a lot of these trails that don't have weather conditions and death defying right. falls be a purist right. but then on something that involves safety and common sense have a little wiggle room maybe <laughs> yeah and and then that factor like i don't get a merit badge for suffering yeah i'm gonna walk i'm gonna walk the miles but that little thing that i did at the end there in new mexico I, it was brilliant i was so pleased with myself for not being an idiot <laughs> and going back into the woods i know what it looks like in the woods where there's a blowdown every four feet in snow yeah i don't want to i don't need to do that and you can come, you can feel good, you know, you can come out and say, well, I did this badass thing. Great. And then that's the end of it. But for me, I had a great day and I saw elk and beautiful country. So yeah, don't be addicted to the red line. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> that, that's a good way to wrap up this tangent. So, sorry for everybody listening. It's it's something that I feel very passionate about and it sounds like I, I Pony do too. does too. Yeah, so yeah. Pony, I want to get to a few more questions and I don't want to take up too much of your time here. So one of the questions I like asking and especially for somebody that's been in this kind of hiking world, backpacking world for so long is who had the biggest impact on you kind of in this field, um, this lifestyle. I know you said P mags, um, really, yeah. really kind of showed you the ropes or kind of let you get involved with it before setting first steps on those first through hike. Um, was there somebody before that? Like, I guess, yeah, take the question as you will, who had the biggest impact on you kind of in this field and this, this lifestyle. So uh, if I'm really honest, the person who had the biggest impact on me is a person who has done one long distance hike and that's the Colorado trail. And her name is sparkle. That's her trail name and her dog RIP. He was a great dog named Jude. And now she was the neighbor who I watched grow up as a kid and go through high school. And then she was the one who came back from the CT just glowing and she just captured my imagination. So honestly, she's not like, you know, super experienced, but that was a person who opened the door. Mags is great. I've followed him for years. I've talked to him. I've used him as a, as a resource. Paul Mignanti, if you guys go to pmags, pmags.com, tons of writing. And what he does now is like, he creates his own routes. I mean, he's already, he's already done the hated. He's done all the stuff. And he's, I think he's probably done now, but he just walked from Grand Junction back to his home in Moab hmm. on a route that he came up with. He did not do the um, Cocopelli trail. So he definitely had an influence on me. Although he's in such a different class, somebody whose wisdom and just practical knowledge I admire very much is Andrew Skirka. Okay. And, you know, the way Skirka talks about practical things like, well, should you always hang your food? What do you do? I like that he's not fanatical, but I like that he looks at different sides of an issue and he tells you, you know, his expert opinion. I think, I think that's truly, yeah, he's a great influence. And then honestly, 
I was influenced by three young guys, two in particular, that I hiked with through a lot of Virginia on the AT because I knew that I could do miles and I'm even reasonably strong. I was twice as old as they were, but one of them is one of my very best friends, Lava, and then Patches. Those guys have been racking up the miles and they were like, why is this old man always in the same place that we are? And <laughs> we kind of figured it out when we started hiking together and they taught me the value, the joy of having an actual trail family and what that means and what, how much, how much joy and, and, and richness it can bring to it through hike. So it, maybe that's not the answer you're looking for, but those guys and easy E was with us for a while too. I mean, it was just one of those odd couples, three guys in their twenties and me 54. <laughs> it was awesome because I learned that like, no, we don't hike together, but we're going to wind up at the same place. And when we're there, we've got a shared experience and we got our in jokes and it was just a joy to learn how that works. I had sort of quasi families on the CT, just people I was around a lot. So I got a taste, but I really didn't get it until it was with Patches, Lava and Easy E. So I admired those guys a lot. Um, you know, my friend Wildlife, um, you should have her on the show. She's amazing. Okay. She she's an AT veteran and then she started southbound in this PCT twenty twenty, kicked off at Chester because of fires. She went back last year, finished the PCT Nova, uh, got to Chester, and then started CDT Southbound June 21. Wow. And she she did it. She's strong. And she she and I talked a lot. We hiked around each other for like eight or 900 miles. And I just like her attitude and just like... Also, Jennifer Farr Davis is similar in this way. It's just, you know, why worry about the next mountain that's coming? Why fret about it? Why even know about it? Mm -hmm. You know that you're going from this point to this point. So whatever comes up in front of you, just do it. And wildlife is amazingly strong hiker. I mean, she, she puts almost everybody in the dust, including guys. And I really learned, like, I don't necessarily want to hike exactly like she does. She's young too. She's like 28. And, but she taught me a whole lot about just like, Hey, your feet hurt whatever you're trying to get to this place and you're just going to walk through it. It's not that I didn't know that, but it was interesting to see somebody who really was committed to just hiking and, and getting there. And then I think she learned a little bit from me, which was take those opportunities for the weird little experiences that pop up and be willing to like alter your plans. And that's me. This is me that she learned from me because somebody rolls up to you on a road walk around Baden Powell because of fire closure and says, Hey, we have a ski lodge down here. Come and you can stay. And and wildlife was like, this sounds like a movie and we're going to get axe murdered. And then we walk, we walk into the place and the first thing we saw, no joke, was like all these hatchets and a target where they were throwing hatchets. She's like, okay, this is the point in the movie where the audience is saying, turn around, turn around. But you know what? It was me and, and her and, and a guy named Slab. And Slab and I were like, hey, we'll be fine. Great night. These guys just hosted us and gave us food and, 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 you know, just, she learned that, but I learned from her just that, that persistence and keeping the goal in mind. So she, I admire her and Jennifer Park Davis too, a lot. Was that the picture of you in the claw tub? I remember seeing a picture of you on the PCT, like soaking in a claw tub. No, but that was an even cooler story. So wildlife's dad, we were at um, Trail Angel Mary's water cache. I don't know if it was there when you were there, but, and I've been hiking with her and a guy named Strings and, and we picked up a girl named Caboose there. And 
My wife said, hey, I have this idea. Let's slack patch San Jacinto. My dad has a friend with a cabin in Idlewild. We're like, okay. So we got off at the highway to PVC, got a ride to that quote-unquote cabin. It's like a gorgeous mountain lodge. It's like amazing. Like, this is a this is an expensive, big, put-together house. It's like all Western art and big beams and, you know, animal heads and bear furs and stuff. Great place to stay. Then we did what I call a wildlife special, which is like biting off almost too much to chew. So we slacked, <laughs> we slacked all of San Jacinto to Devil Slide and then Devil Slide back down nice. and then went back to Idlewild. But we ate at PDC and we didn't even start till 10. And the wind was blowing like 50 miles an hour and we get up top and it's dark and there's snow and blowdowns. And it was like a wildlife special, but it was fun. Yeah. And so we got back to that house and um, there were pictures of, it was all art, but there's pictures of one person on the wall. And it's the actor Clark Gable, very famous in the 1940s, called The King of Hollywood. So she asked her dad about it, and her dad's like, oh, yeah, that used to belong, that, that, that lodge used to belong to Clark Gable. So I don't know, some fire my imagination. And Strings was a really good photographer. I'm like, dude, I'm going to take a bath in Clark Gable's <laughs> bathtub, and I'm going to put this cowboy hat on, and I'm going to have a little, you know, I had some tequila in a shot glass, and we have a a lariat there and i'm like i'm gonna find a cigar i found a freaking cigar and i'm like you take the pictures and he just gorgeous beautiful pictures of me this grizzled old miner sitting in the tub smoking <laughs> a cigar and then out the window is san jacinto and it is just i mean we're like we should send this to the jose cuervo company and, and make them pay us and they can use it in an ad yeah so again like for me yeah i'll just be open to it that was a, yeah. That was a wonderful picture. I like how you answered that question too. It's a. It sounds like it's continuous inspiration for you. You didn't pick one person saying this was the impetus, but it's like as you continue to go on these trails, meet more trail family, learn other people's stories. Like it sounds like it's just. Is it fair to say it's continuous inspiration that you keep finding? It is. I mean, honestly, when I wrote my AT book, I said and I meant the most inspirational person I saw was this girl we met in Virginia. My buds and I. I mean, she was a disaster. Her feet looked like they'd been in a blender, you know, <laughs> oh, and yeah. very kind of timid. And she had like a, a chaperone. Her parents made her go with this like old guy. And then the old guy got pissed and left her. And so she's alone in the morning. She was literally shaking like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And she's super sheltered. I'm like, okay, well, we were real nice, but I'm like, she is totally not going to make it. And then I flipped just because. And so I was south downing from Katahdin and they're in the middle of Maine here comes this this person hiking with a steely Katahdin gaze on nice. and going strong and it's her and I was like oh my god you are the most inspirational person on this trail because there's no way but once she got rid of you know the chaperone and just like embraced her strength she kicked ass so I, any person on these trails can inspire me at any given time I think I know this girl, but I don't want to say her name because I don't want to put it on blast here. So maybe maybe after the show, I'm going to confirm with you. But I think I met this girl as well on the hike. Um, I, I, it sounds very familiar, this story that you're saying. Did, so. you, did you see her feet? Because, like, I don't know what it is, but, like, it was almost like her toes were stacked on top of each other. It was just like, whoa. No. And I, this is funny. I gave her my Luco tape. I'm not joking. She went out back to the shelter. She came back and she, like, had Luco tape cleats on. And, like, my role was, like, almost <laughs> empty. She was like, okay, well, if that helps you, I hope that works. It must have helped because she finished, you know? Yeah, I, didn't, I never yeah. saw her feet, but I remember meeting this woman that, um, well, girl, yeah, but she was really young that had this chaperone. Yeah. And, like, the relationship between them, 
you kind of feel it was a little strange. So yeah, I'm not going to put. It sucked. Yeah. It sucked. The, the guy was like sort of a mean dad to her. And she was like, well, my parents wouldn't let me go unless I had a chaperone. I'm like, and then when he left her, cause he got pissed about something the next morning, my friends and I, and everybody in the shelter was like, listen, this is what you dreamed about. Yeah. You want to hike now and you don't, and do it. And you know what? I never saw her until Maine. She did. Yeah. She just like, yeah. And so she became a much stronger person. I loved it. I love it. And Pony, we're getting upwards of this hour. There's, I want to touch on yeah. so much with you. I might just have to have you back on the show one of these days. Um, there's a lot of stuff. You're a great storyteller, and I, I love hearing uh, your stories and how you put it. But um, I would be remiss if I didn't touch on your books um, quickly because you have written two books. Um, one was not really trail-oriented. It was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Bones of My Grandfather. And then the mm-hmm. most recent book that you wrote was Adrift on the PCT uh, Through Hiking Stories. So... Can you talk a little bit about the books for listeners that may not know? Yeah, so I've been a writer for a long time. I actually published a bunch of books since 1999, but I've got an AT book also called The Trail is the Teacher. And in fact, that that the first thing you read in that book is about that person we were just talking about. And then A Drift on the Pacific Crest Trail and then Bones of My Grandfather. So the hiking books are more or less what you would expect. I, if they're not hiking guides. They are one person's story, but I do try to put in there you know, what I've learned from hiking. And I want to make one quick point. Yep. So there's a, there's a theme in the PCT book that I think a lot of people will be surprised or it's like something maybe you don't expect in a hiking book. And that was, I love my wife. We have a great relationship, but we were really stupid about what it was going to mean for me to be gone for all that time. Cause I was gone for a month on either end and four months exactly on the trail. And on the AT, I was able to come home. I visited like every two months. And so we kind of got disconnected mm-hmm. in a way that we didn't mean to. Uh, we just didn't know. And so part of the lesson of that book is, and I really mean this, and I've heard from people because I've talked about it, you know, but it's like if you have a relationship with somebody who's not a hiker, and I would say that's common, yeah. one of the things that you should think about is having a plan for how are you going to keep connected just as much as what's your resupply plan going to be, what gear are you going to take? I really believe that yeah. because it's possible to get so wrapped up and they're at home. And so that's a, that's just a little piece of that PCT book. It's not, believe me, folks, it's not the whole book, but it's a little thread running through. It's a little bit different. I don't, I don't think I've seen it written about. And then Bones of My Grandfather is a book that I'll probably die and be proudest of. My grandfather was killed in World War II. His body was never recovered, although my family didn't really know that. And then I was privileged to be um, connected with a nonprofit group called History Flight that was going to go try to find about 500 missing Marines on this tiny island in the Pacific. And I joined up with them. And then amazingly, in 2015, we actually found my grandfather. I was there shooting video. And so we were able to bring him back and bury him next to his family, which his parents had always wanted. And so the book is really, it sort of takes place in the past telling his story, which is pretty interesting. And then comes, you know, goes back and forth to the future of this sort of archaeological mystery and expedition. Love that book. AT book, PCT book. I got a book about the seven years I spent working as a cowboy. Wow. I got a kid's book. I got, I got a lot of books out there. <laughs> None of them are big bestsellers, but I'm a writer and I'll never stop writing. So I love it. Go, go check out Pony's books. And Circling back real quick, I want to touch on this quickly. I know you have a flight to catch, um, but I'm really happy that you touched on the connection and like disconnection point because that usually is one of the big talking points of our show. And 
we weren't able to get to it in this one because, like I said, we might have to have you back on. But, um, yeah, cool. that connection and disconnection that you said, have a plan for staying connected to people that are off trail. Again, that's something I still struggle with. And I ask a lot of hikers that and a lot of people that revolve their life around the outdoors and are more nomadic. And some everybody has, like, a different way they go about it. And it, I guess the main point is just show them that you still love them and show up for the ways that you can because if you – put it into like, I, I don't know how to say this. If you try to structure it and they know what you're going after, sometimes even a message a week can give them the biggest like uplifting spirit and give them a smile and let them know that you do love them and you're thinking about them. So that's something yeah. that's something I want to get more into with you, but maybe not on this episode. Yeah. And I don't want right. to, and again, I don't want to harp on it because I actually recently listened to uh, show where you were talking about that in depth so maybe for me it's more fresh in my memory but for others that yeah. aren't listening i do want to touch on that so I, I think pony will just have to have you back on well that'd be great and and i do just you know just to put the punctuation there it's like i maybe other people are smarter than me and jody you know <laughs> but i think an awful lot of people go out there without really thinking about how this is going to go and the thing is when you're on trail you have a job to do yeah. you can't dick around you need to be safe. You need to make sure you've got everything handled. And it's very easy to just sort of like your brain appropriately is keeping you moving forward and safely. And it takes up a lot of room. And then, you know, you might have iffy phone coverage. And, and then when you're in town, you're around your buds. And, and that's just kind of what happened. And I think Jody just got really frustrated because it just, I was just never fully there. And we, you know, we struggled with it throughout the PCT. Yeah. We worked really hard to come back together. And honestly, that's part of the reason I did go start the CDT this year is because I wanted, we wanted to redo. We wanted to say, okay, let's do a short version of this. I'm, I'm going to be hiking later this summer. I just don't know how much and, and when, but so I'll be back on the CDT, but we're going to do this New Mexico portion and here's our plan. And it's literally in the book at the end. If people are, don't care about that, they don't have to read the epilogue, but, and you know what? there were some glitches for about a week until it sort of smoothed out. And then it was, here's what I like. It's, it's not that hard to stay connected. You just have to realize you, you need a plan and you've got to actually work at it. It doesn't necessarily just happen. And so I ended up feeling really, really happy about uh, us redoing this. We did a lot better this time. I'm really happy to hear that pony because yeah, like you said, like every moment, if you let it, it's a wonderful consumption, but every moment can be consumed on a through hike if you don't consciously choose to step yeah. out of that, um, yeah. I guess, world. It's, it's a full world out there, yeah. so you have to take a step That's back right. out to connect yourself. So um, mm-hmm. I'm really happy to hear that there's that connection, Pony. That, that, that's really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to- no, we – it, we're happy about it. I mean, I'm glad we did a little redo. It's great. I love it. So two last questions. I'm going to try to wrap this up very quickly. Um, do you have about 10 more minutes? I know you got a plane to get. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> I was going to say I'm going to try to wrap this up quickly. Depends how you answer this second to last question. What does the trail mean to you? You can take that in a sense of just the AT, the PCT, the CDT. You can combine them all. Um, take it in a broad sense. Yeah. What does the What does the trail mean to you? Okay. I'm going to give you what, what comes right into my head and this is very personal obviously the trail is a stage on which i as a human can be fully myself and and it it is it throws things at me it 
makes things uncomfortable sometimes. It's this, it's that. And it's, it is a place where I can be my best self. I can, I, I don't have the extra energy to waste on whining. Hmm. I don't have the extra energy to waste on, you know, uh, all that kind of external stuff because I feel like if something goes wrong and something's going to go wrong, uh, I have a choice in how I react to it. But in Washington last year, this is a dumb move. I still make rookie moves. I stopped above Michael Lake. There's this hill, really steep hill down the lake. It's ice floating in the lake to take a picture. And what I didn't do was the smart thing when you're on a hill your pack is always behind you not in front of you <laughs> so i'm standing there taking a picture and my rain flies on my shoulders trying to drop and my pack just rolled like 50 yards down Ugh. blew everything over the hillside my food started floating away on the lake and i'm like oh my god <laughs> and it was it was coming apart i had it safety pinned together i'm like geez i'm fucked <laughs> and, I, and but you know what i didn't lose my i didn't lose my cool i'm like uh and through hiking has taught me that. Like I went down, I gathered everything up, I waited out, I got my food back, the pack didn't blow apart, you know, the straps were still attached. So, and then I could laugh at it. And honest to God, I, that is the most part of my life, that's not the person I was. I would have been standing screaming and punching rocks and all this. <laughs> so the trail is this opportunity to pay attention and, and become my very best, most open-hearted, generous, kind, flexible self, and tenacious, too. So it really is a stage on which I find it's like a self-improvement. It's like, it's like a, I'm reading a self-help book. It helps me be a better person. I love it. And like you said, um, you constantly are getting taught lessons there about yourself. Like the trail constantly is a teacher, no matter how many miles you step, no matter how many yep. times you get out there. Like you said, you've done many miles. You were in Washington. You've done most of the PCT at that point. You've done the AT. <laughs> you've done the Colorado Trail. It's yeah. like it constantly humbles you, and you have to constantly just be happy in those moments and just let it go and yep. let it flow through you. So I, lo I love how you put that, Pony. Great. So very last question. I may know this just from <laughs> knowing your personality and even hearing how you defined a lot of these questions on this show, but I want to I hear it put in your words. So – do you see an endpoint? Um, is there a goal that you're looking to reach? Because it sounds like this year um, you're going to be getting close to your triple crown, if not getting your triple crown. But again, it, it doesn't sound like you put weight on that. So I guess the question is, yeah, is there an overall goal you're looking for? Is there an endpoint? Um, yeah, the question remains. So the answer, the short answer is, yeah, I'd love to get my triple crown. And no, I'm not going to get it this year. And that is really for family considerations because okay. – you know, it's, it, there's nothing I, I could have gone out and just done the CDT this year, but because of our disconnection and Jody and I were like, Hey, and you know what, you know, as well as I do, I mean, it is actually easier to do the CDT in sections because you can pick and choose your weather in your times of year. So, yeah. but yes, I will, I will get my triple crown maybe as soon as next year, who knows, but I, that's not really the goal. I don't see myself not doing this but I, I don't really, once I'm beyond the Triple Crown, I was like, I don't know. You know, I've hiked part of a trail that very new people haven't even heard of it, you know, Great Plains Trail. So yeah. like you've done and, and Mags does, you know, I want to do some of these lesser hiked trails. And Wildlife just texted me. She's working as a firefighter this summer, but she's like, hey, let's do the Hey Duke. I'm like, all right, let's go do it next spring, you know. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know you had a tough experience there, and it's a hard trail, but 
I don't see it ending until I can't walk anymore. I'd love to go overseas. Uh, I, I have friends who've done the Te Araroa, and they say it's just immeasurably yeah. harder than any trail they've done. So yep. here, I'll give you a quick example. I know I'm trying to be fast here. So I, I have one more 14er to hike in Colorado, and then I'll have done them all. Nice. I just was hiking those mountains for years and years without ever bothering to think, oh, I'm going to do them all. But what happened was I got close enough, and I was like, oh, I should do them all. That's kind of the same way with Triple Crown for me. Like, I'm going to do it. But it's not an end in itself. And um, like, I like doing trail magic. I've done some stuff like that. But I see myself continuing to do this because I want to see those new horizons, um, you know, and just try different things. And I think I've proved to myself that I am a desert boy. Like, I, I, <laughs> me too. I thrive in the desert. Yeah. And, you know, what's harder for me would be like, you know, Upper Mount Superior and Ice Age and, so I want to set challenges. I'm 60, mm -hmm. so I want to use this body as long as it wants to work for me. That's what I want to do. I love it. I really like how you use the example of the 14ers. That kind of put it into perspective, too, because I think my mentality is very similar, is you don't see the goal until you're near the end, I guess, if that makes yep. sense. Like, yep. You're, yep. Not, you're not going out there, even as the Triple Crown is concerned, like you're not going out there as a Triple Crown. You're just like, well, it just makes sense as a net next next natural progression. Like I did the AT, go to the PCT, and then yeah. I did these fourteeners. Well, I have one left. Why? Why not just right. go summit that well one? Finish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, it's good. It, it they, the 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 goals present themselves. Yeah. So I never started with that in mind, and but it is within reach. So why not? You know. Pony, we could be talking all day, um, but I know yeah, you have could. a flight, and I, honestly, I'm, I might want to reach out to you to see if you could, would come back on this podcast. It's been an awesome chat, Great. man. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I love what you're doing with the show, and, and of course, congratulations to you, because I know it wasn't what you set out to do, but it's pretty amazing. You are the youngest person who's done all the National Scenic Trails. You hold the FKTU, and Magpie hold the FKT on the North Country Trail, and those are things I, look, we met that year that I, we were on the AT, you know, yeah. and my, my wife and your mom met. And, and I, it's just been a pleasure to see you follow that progression without having like some big goal in mind, just to be like, I like this. It works for me. Let's see where it goes and where it's gone has been pretty amazing. So congratulations to you. Well, thank you, Pony. I think uh, we're very similar in that aspect. I mean, it works for my brain. Yeah. I, I get consumed by something and, I just love it. I love the life. I love the lifestyle. I love the miles. I love the trails. <laughs> I love yeah, it, man. So I, I think we're very All similar right. in that. Um, Me too. Yes. Before you go, Pony, I wanted to wrap up the show by saying the platform is yours. Let people know where they can follow you. Yeah. So I do have a bunch of stuff on claybonnymanevans.com and it's C-L-A-Y-B-O-N-N-Y-M-A-N-E-V-A-N-S.com. Uh, I don't have anything super fresh except just that the new pct book is out and if you're interested in any of my books a few of them are out of print but you can even still find those on um on amazon and the easiest way to search for me is just search my middle name which is bonnyman b-o-n-n-y-m-a-n -N -N, and that's like a bonnie man from scotland and you'll find <laughs> uh, the world war ii book there you'll find the hiking books you'll find my cowboy book and stuff like that and um my email i'm also going to give it anybody's welcome to email me anytime it's clay bonnyman at Gmail and anytime, anytime anybody wants to write me, um, I love hearing from people. Awesome. I will link all of that in the show notes and Pony, once again, thank you so much. And yeah, please say hi to Jody for me. I will. Thanks a lot, <laughs> man. 
Well, folks, another week, another guest, another episode. We have been really enjoying sharing these stories and really diving into the minds behind the miles, the minds behind the hiker, the minds behind the outdoors person. We have been loving this format. We have been loving the conversations. So, yeah, as this show has continued to grow, we have been really loving being able to share all these stories. So, if you all really enjoy this show, this episode, this podcast, we would love to hear from you. So, please, if you are able, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Leave us a rating and let us know. Let us know how you are enjoying the show so we can continue to share and we can continue to spread these stories as we dive into the who and the how, not necessarily the what, as we get to take a look into the minds and really see what makes these hikers tick, really see what makes these hikers, these outdoors people, these climbers continue to want to live a life of adventure. So yeah, please leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, every little thing really helps us and fuels us to continue to share these stories and to continue to let us have these conversations with more amazing people and as always if you have a suggestion if you know of somebody that you really want to hear on the show or you yourself want to be a guest on the show please email us at off trail podcast or visit our instagram page at off trail podcast and communicate with us through there send us a message follow along get updates on the new guests that are coming out the new episodes that are coming out we would love to share your story we would love to hear from you Any suggestions, any guests, all are welcome. Hope to see you next week on and off trail.